Thanks for listening to the Specialty Patient Podcast. Follow us for even more episodes on any of your preferred podcast streaming services, including Apple and Spotify. You have a suggestion for a topic or a guest? Please send an email to lindsay at helparound.co. And for more information on Helparound, visit helparound.co. All right, so here we go. Uh, and today we have with us uh, Lauren, Lauren Cole, uh, joining us today from Boston, right, Lauren? Yeah, well, actually, I live in North Carolina, but based out of Boston. All right. So yeah. out, of, out of North Carolina in Boston, we have uh, Lauren from Akibia Therapeutics. Uh, really excited that uh, you're joining us for this, uh, for this session uh, of uh, talking about specialty patients and uh, how we can do our job better and help them better. So Lauren, why don't you kind of take a couple of seconds or minutes or uh, as much as uh, you'd like to introduce yourself? And uh, we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I, uh, I've really spent the majority of my career in pharma, primarily on the vendor side for the first, I would say, 15, 16 years, supporting patients, providers, um, the payer marketing landscape. I spent about five years in a hub in various progressive leadership roles in both operations and strategic accounts, which has given me a really unique lens to bring to my manufacturer experience. And uh, I'm currently a director of patient services with Akibia Therapeutics, where I'm responsible for all strategy and access services for our patients. And can you say uh, in a couple of words what uh, therapy you're working on, what's the nature of the therapy, the main areas of focus? Sure. So we support patients with chronic kidney disease. We're primarily in the nephrology space, and our entire mission is really built around uh, helping patients with kidney disease and ultimately getting to our overall um, vision of life without dialysis. Awesome. Great. So uh, let's jump straight in. Uh, I'd love to, you know, we'd love to kind of frame, uh, you know, our conversations and our learnings from failure. Uh, so not to start on a dire note, but um, one failure that you're willing to share um, and that you can all learn from. What, what would that be? Yeah, uh, gosh, I mean, this is going back a couple of years, actually, prior to joining this company, but it always helps because, you know, in patient services, we often, people often work with third-party vendors, and you really rely on them. They're your face to the customer, and I had a program where we were transitioning from one vendor to another, which is never, ever a decision you make lightly because you're you're sort of re you're having to reset an expectation that already exists in the marketplace versus starting from scratch. And, you know, we went through the entire RFP process, made what we thought was a good decision. And I mean, we were on site for training. We had so much confidence in this uh, partner and perhaps a little too much because on day one of launch, I, I wasn't on site. My boss at the time was, and 30 minutes after our phones turned on, I received a call from her and she was in, tears hysterically crying um and just said oh my gosh we made a mistake and three hours later i was on a plane and didn't come home for a week (laughs) so it was uh you know i think the the learning there was you could have the best laid plans the best intentions but if you don't have a backup plan and a backup plan for that backup plan something could go wrong and you're just not ready to pivot and um 
get, you know, put back on your, your best foot forward. So, so, so what kind of backup plan would, would you have put together in hindsight? Yep. So, you know, the, what happened was we, I, our backup plan really probably should have been to um, have our, the vendor we were transitioning away from be ready to stay on board for a minimum of 30 days while we work through some kinks. I mean, there were kinks with the phone system, for example, the phone, all phone calls. We thought we were doing some great new technology, routing it to our case managers by incoming area code. And for some reason, they were all being dumped to six of 90 phone lines, phone voicemails. So the voicemails were just piling up. Oh, uh, no. We, the, yeah, the volume was coming in. And these, these patients, they really needed their medication for the disease state that was being treated. And we did, we had decided to just do a clean transition and not keep anybody on board. And that was a big mistake because we couldn't just revert. We couldn't call Verizon and say, hey, redirect the phones. We, we made a mistake. We have more, t we need more time. We need to retrain these people. We need to give them more confidence before they're ready to start, you know, taking calls because the people, when the calls were coming in, the associates were, they were freezing. I mean, it was like nothing I've ever seen. And so our backup plan really should have been to keep the other vendor on board for a minimum of 30 to 45 days, even in just a, a new patient capacity while the existing patients were managed for people to get their, their feet wet and to really learn operationally how things work versus just in a training environment. Um, and additionally, our, we should have built in more time for business simulation and that wasn't done. I mean, you can train all you want, but until you get that first phone call and get somebody on the phone who's in a panic or in an emotional state because they need their medicine, it, it's hard not to freeze. And I just, they weren't set up for success. And it was a huge learning that I've carried with me over the years and have applied to um, future transitions that I've done. Wow. Talk about a stressful transition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And this is a situation uh, where, where you kind of know already what you're dealing with because you have an existing vendor in place uh, and you were actually looking to improve by switching to an even better vendor, mm -hmm. right? So you already know kind of what your pitfalls are. And then sounds like that new vendor was caught by surprise. Yes. Yes. It was the, at the end of the day, they weren't trained. The technology aside, I mean, the technology was definitely a hiccup, but I think it could have been overcome by a more competent team who could kind of step right in and overcome those challenges that were popping up without, you know, completely unexpectedly. But because the team just, they weren't confident enough in their knowledge, they weren't confident enough to kind of take control, it all became a perfect storm that fell apart very quickly. So this kind of, you know, we're here to talk about, about, you know, failures, but also innovation, uh, which is, you know, you try to be innovative, you try to improve it, but you don't want to fail, right? I mean, well, some mm -hmm. of the people listening to us right now, have been spending the past two years of their lives preparing for a single launch, right? And, and you know, you, you kind of go in and you don't want to make mistakes, that, especially mistakes that you, other people have done before. So, I mean, how do you do that? How do you pursue something new while, mm -hmm. you know, not risking the one launch that, you, so, that you've been working so much towards? What kind of mindset do you need to be armed with? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think the backup plan kind of comes into play here. I mean, innovation is great. And we have just in the past five years, innovation has exploded within patient services. And it's been huge for our patients, for our providers. It, it really has and is continuing to transform the way that we're able to get patients on therapy as quickly as possible. Um, and so I don't think you should shy away from it or be afraid of it. But I think you have to be able to fall back on the manual processes and just have a, a secondary plan in place should that technology not be ready or available or functioning as you expect, right? So for example, if you're just planning to have everything e-prescribed through uh, an EH AHR and everything just flow through like clockwork and something happens somewhere within that workflow, you know, what is going to happen at that point where your doctors know how they can still get this patient on drug? Who can they call? Is that, you know, command center sort of trained to work on the fly until you make some adjustments to the technology at hand? Um, I think all those things can work really well. You just, you have to have people at the ready to help you pivot until things start working smoothly. And, and really, I think some of the, one of the biggest ways you can set yourself up for success is to appropriately set expectations with your sales force who can then set expectations with the customer. Because I think as long as people expect that there might be some kinks or there might be some hiccups, but they know that they have people they can turn to and trust to have ask questions and to help their patients no matter what, I, I don't think it would be perceived as a failure. It would be perceived as just a, a bumpier road. But if the expectations aren't set, if the communication isn't clear, that's when the failure starts to creep in. And and so, so so that's a really important point, right? Because we're working in such a um, fragmented system. There's so many stakeholders at play, and you know you can't just throw a tech at it and hope that you know that piece of the of the spaghetti will work itself out perfectly. So I think you're saying it's like, well, it's great, yes, pursue the new tech, but always don't give up the backbone. Be prepared with a backbone that is still the phone call, still the facts, it's still the person, it's still it's still there. Um, because what are you going to do? It's a very kind of sophisticated, it's a very uh, uh, complex ecosystem where you have a lot of moving pieces and things always don't always work out exactly with the way we hoped. So kind of, you're kind of going, go to the next step with a very clear way back. Exactly. And we always have to remember that there's a patient that we're trying to take care of. And, you know, that can't always be solved with with technology or with robots. I mean, we have to be ready to help that patient. And if if you keep that in mind, I mean, at the end of the day, that's where we're really trying to focus. Right. Right. And and you know, it's it's another it's another way to think about innovation and technology that innovation and technology is not always about replacing the human. It's it could be actually and reinforce the um the the connection. So actually make it mm -hmm. easier on patients to access support uh, and that support can be a human. That's actually also a big role of innovation. Uh, and, and let's just make support available as, as, as much as possible and as easily as possible for the patient, right? So they choose yeah, how to I use think, it. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point with that because really when you're deciding on how to add innovation, which could either be, you know, a service enhancement or a cost saving measure, you want to make sure that you're adding it at the right point 
and maintaining um, that that patient connectivity at the right points as well. So making sure that you're being very strategic and every product profile is different, every patient population and, and patient journey is different. So there's so many different decisions that have to be considered when you're making those decisions. But I think, you know, making sure that you're not just going all in for the sake of innovation is key. And you really have to consider the patient journey when you're evaluating. And and is there, uh, are there some allies within the organization? And the first that come to my mind are, it's actually legal and compliance. So, so often legal and compliance can be perceived as the gatekeepers or the people who make it harder to innovate, et cetera. But is there a way where that can be flipped and uh, legal and compliance can actually help you manage that risk? I think so. I personally, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have good relationships with our legal and compliance teams. And, you know, if in some, you know, everybody has a different approach and every person has a different approach. But in my experience, not only with legal and compliance, but with all teams, if you are working together to discuss the objective and what you're trying to achieve and then have a productive conversation about, okay, well, can we go down this lane or this lane or this lane versus coming to legal and compliance with the solution that you already have in mind? Sometimes your solution may raise some red flags for them. But if you step back and say, okay, well, here are actually my objectives. Maybe I thought my solution is the way to go, but is there a way that you can help me, you know, redesign that solution that could still meet our objectives, but that will also keep us, you know, on the the right side of OIG guidelines, because <laughs> that's what we all want to be. I mean, we want to help patients as much as possible, but if we are not following the rules at some point, that's going to backfire and then we, we won't be there to help at all. So I think I look at legal compliance as a partner. And I think if you look at it as a partnership and not a, a, a hurdle, you can accomplish a lot. Right, right. And, and you came... I'm kind of curious. You came. You came from a vendor, right? I mean, you you worked at Lash Group for over five years, um, and then you switched to the pharma side. What did you see from that point of view? That you know that what did what surprised you when you moved to the pharma side and kind of looked back on the vendors and said, "Oh, I came from there." Um, you know what what surprised you and what kind of learn what learnings uh, did you gain that way that you would like you know. Uh, vendors to know today? Yeah, honestly, what I learned is when I was on the vendor side, I, I didn't ask enough questions. Uh, I, we were so focused, you know, on the vendor side, fundamentally, you're a call center and you're focused on on metrics and, and KPIs and, and training and reimbursement is the backbone of all of that, um, you know, of that call center. But there are so many different things. So when I I'll kind of answer this in two ways, I guess. When I got to the manufacturer side, I realized just how much the vendors have to to do to keep things running and, and how much the details matter. And, you know, sometimes we, we get shortchanged on the manufacturer side of strategic insights from the, the vendors because they're focused so much on those minute details that we don't tend to think about. Um, but on the flip side, I realized there's so much going on on the commercial teams and pharmaceutical organizations. I mean, I focus a lot on my hub operations. I have somebody on my team who really manages them day to day. So 
maybe 10% is, is focused on hub and the other 90% is focused on strategy, working with our corporate accounts and national accounts teams and sales teams and, and commercial in general and, and making sure I'm keeping a pulse on what's going on in the industry and in the market. And I think when I was on the vendor side, especially as a director of operations as a big hub, I, I, you know, innocently thought that my customers only had my program to worry about when really there's so much more they're working on for the brand. And so it would have been, it would have been great if, if I had had that perspective a little more, I probably would have approached how I manage the account differently and been more forthcoming with strategy and, and insight so that I was spoon feeding them rather than them extracting from me. So, so you're saying a lot of vendors are still in this reactive mode where, uh, where, where we, you're really looking for more of a partner to come and tell you what you think is the best, uh, if not the best way forward uh, as, a, as a brand or as a brand manager or as a, as a drug manufacturer. I do. And, and, but I think it's also incumbent upon the manufacturer to really try to cultivate that partnership and appropriately bring your vendor, treat them number one as a partner and bring them in to the brand planning and insights where appropriate. So they really have a feel for what you're trying to accomplish overall. And then maybe they can bring insights to you for, you know, future planning purposes. Absolutely. So last question. So if there we if if there if you had to list kind of the top reasons why introducing improvements into the patient journey uh falters what would be kind of your top two top two three reasons um uh, and and how how other brand managers and 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 uh, patient services people should uh, steer away from these mistakes? Uh, I think you really, it's really important to, for me to engage your boots on the ground, which are your sales reps. So if you have an existing brand and you've been on the market for a while, you have a program in place and you are, you know, hoping to introduce innovations, which is good. I mean, brands evolve, patient services should evolve. Everything should evolve in an appropriate manner. But if you're just doing it in this sort of um, isolated manner, because it's a, a KPI you have to meet or a, a fiscal year goal you have to meet, I think you're bound to fail versus looking at the market research that comes in quarterly, meeting with, I personally have a team of sales representatives from all 11 of our regions that I will reach out to their almost like um, a patient services advisory team. And we, we talk about ideas. We, we talk about the viability of something that we're trying to introduce. I'll talk to customers directly in partnership with our sales team to, to kind of pressure test what we're trying to accomplish. Because you might, you know, somebody may come to me with a great idea and I think, oh my gosh, that would be wonderful. But I might not be thinking two, three, four steps ahead in the eyes of my customers. So it's connecting with the customers, connecting with the, the sales team who is out there working with the customers day to day, and just making sure that we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's when we're thinking about doing something. And then honestly, engaging as many people in the commercial org um, to do it, you know, partnering with marketing to make sure that we're building the right materials and 
that we'll be executing them appropriately, partnering with sales to make sure that we're considering how it will kind of um, fold into everything else that they have in their bags. And then working, of course, with legal and compliance to make sure that we're um, on the up and up. But it's, it cannot be patient services. One of the reasons I love my job is because I get to partner with all of these different verticals in, in and outside of a commercial organization. And that's the beauty of it. But you really have to, in my opinion, I think being successful is, is, is doing just that and not just kind of working in a silo because you think it's the right thing to do or because you've done it on a brand before. Every brand is very different. And that has to be um, top of mind. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, this has been really, really helpful. Uh, and I think this is going to be appreciated by a lot of uh, our colleagues in the industry. Uh, and, you know, in these crazy, crazy times, really, uh, really glad to connect with you and to see that uh, things are going well. Um, and again, thank you again for coming on our on our podcast today. Thank you. You guys are great to work with. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Specialty Patient Podcast. Follow us for even more episodes on any of your preferred podcast streaming services, including Apple and Spotify. You have a suggestion for a topic or a guest? Please send an email to lindsay at helparound.co. And for more information on Helparound, visit helparound.co.